Design Podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Travis Scott, and with me, as always, is Ben Slinger. Ben Slinger here on the morning radio show. No, sorry. It sounded like you were going into a bit of a... You had a little bit of that morning radio vocal something to you. I've got a mic sitting right in front of my face. I can hear myself a little bit better than I usually can. Yeah, it does feel like that sort of vibe. A little bit more. <laughs> no, yes, I'm. I'm here. Welcome, welcome to the show. What are we doing tonight, tonight, Trevor? I think we're going to do the same thing that we did last week. Maybe with as much deep diving as we did last week. We just never know. It depends if the mood hits us. If we get the idea, yeah. So that means we're going to play some ramped up click pitch. That's a game where we each have a random word generator in front of us, and on the count of three, two, one, click, we're going to get a new couple of words each, an adjective and a noun. We're going to throw them at each other, and we're going to turn that into a game design. Awesome. So, Ben, three, two, one, random. Yeah. <laughs> Damp ballet. <laughs> Weary mankind. Ooh, okay. I, uh, I like the aesthetic idea of... Of this game playing out on a stage. Ooh, okay. And sort of telling some sort of dystopic tale of mankind as it. Oh, so not mankind the wrestler. I don't know wrestling, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I was thinking mankind of the human race. Or mankind as it were. I'm seeing this is in the in the throes, like the the death throes of of a civilization. Yeah, and yeah. But I like the idea that it's ooh. it's kind of playing out in in. It doesn't have to be ballet, but maybe that could be one of the forms. I, I like that it's a traveling it's a traveling like roadshow of like they because people can't go to like a cinema or anything like that to see. Um, to see plays and that sort of stuff. This this troupe sort of travels to these well, yeah. different places in in the wasteland to um to give to them tell their stories and, to tell but, the story. But, but the, yes, they're telling this. But I think, but then the game essentially plays out as like because I like the idea of like you, you know even combat based stuff, but it's all playing out on the stage in what just looks like these kind of shabby costumes. Uh, the dampness comes in in that it's like it's sort of raining uh, and dripping off things uh, and just really setting the scene for, yeah, this like traveling troupe of performers who are telling the story of like the downfall of this civilization and how they got to this point. Uh, but I like that. I really like that as a framing device. As you go from chapter to chapter, it's like they are traveling from place to place and you maybe have a little bit of a a preamble of, you know, meeting the people there or, uh, you know, conversations between the performers and stuff to sort of give some context of what it's like now. Uh, and then you mm-hmm. go into this, yeah, you go into the level or whatever, essentially, like the chapter of uh, of how we got there. Yeah, and, and I think they can also be, like, in between... Uh, places you can you can have you know relationships between the troop members you can have yeah you know um 
oh, we've got a random mutant mutant attack, so we've got to we've got to man the base and and you know put up the barricades and that sort of stuff just so that we can hold. Yeah, them off you can a have bit. different different gameplay methods. Like that could be a good opportunity for some different gameplay styles. Yeah, uh, for and, sure. Hey, if you manage to capture some of those mutants, well, you've got some more fodder for the next for the next. Um, <laughs> you release them onto the stage as part of the performance. Yeah, just for authenticity. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Well, then I do kind of like that idea as well of, well, actually, what I love, before I get into that, is I'm picturing you've got your lead who's playing your your character, sort of air quotes, because yeah. it's it's the character in this story or whatever, and they just, but but that you maybe get to choose which performer plays that lead mm-hmm. at the beginning. Um then that may only just affect like their look, their face, their face and stuff. Uh, but then the rest of the performers, as this plays out, like you'll defeat a bunch of monsters and it's those other performers that you know now with just like masks on and, <laughs> you know, their face sticking out with a cardboard mask around them or whatever. Uh, but they get to play different creatures or different monsters or whatever that are harder to kill or that are, you know, because that's part of the story, essentially. Mm. Um, But then what I was going to say is you could then, again, part of the sort of framing device, the framing story is you can recruit other performers as you come, uh, get to know them, you know, or maybe they can die. Maybe there are uh, in those in-between things where you've got marauders coming, whatever, they can take out your performers um, Mm. and that might affect the actual levels of the performance. Like, <laughs> I don't know what happens if you've only got one performer left. They're like, oh, I guess I'm the lead now. <laughs> it's just fighting. It turns into creatures. a a monologue of the. It's now just a dialogue puzzle that you. Or <laughs> <laughs> you just get one long monologue that just like explains the rest of the story, and then that's you run. The run is over. Because I'm, so, I'm kind of picturing this as a roguelike kind of kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and you can put some of those um, put put some of those fun little things in the in the background and that sort of stuff. Because I'm seeing this as sort of like a a three D sort of stage. Yes, in the fact that definitely. Um, I don't think it needs to be under a circus tent or anything like that. I think you could actually have the backdrop is literally just the desolate wasteland. It's almost the perfect well, way, mate, perfect yeah, backdrop. Yeah, yes, behind it, yeah, uh, yeah. behind the stuff. I think you've got like. Set a set, just sort of thing. Yeah. And actually, what I was just thinking is, in in very much a roguelike sort of style, um, I feel like the stage is essentially just your your um, combat area, mm-hmm. uh, and you know you have some of the performers come out as these creatures. You have to just literally go through some combat, so like some hack and slash sort of combat, and then you defeat them and. The the backdrop is on like one of those rolly circle things, and so it the next sort of level, the next room comes in as that backdrop changes <laughs> to a different uh, backdrop, and then maybe some some of the troop like brings in some set dressing to like put obstacles in the way, so you've got you know a slightly different area that you're um, that you're fighting in, and then the, the next set of monsters comes in basically. Okay. I kind of, I really like that idea with the backdrop moving along. What I want is that at the back, there's like a treadmill that the, that the 
character can walk over to and start walking on, and that's the thing that and moves that's it the along. thing that moves it. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. <laughs> and then he steps off it, and he can run around and do all the stuff, and then he has to get back on. Get back on it to go just... to the next level. <laughs> and he's, <laughs> you know, he's really pushing because it's like, yeah, this, this is the thing that's actually driving to move to the next bit. <laughs> but then the other thing I was thinking of is as you pick up uh, bonuses like power-ups and artifacts and whatever, the, so- the sorts of things that you often get in these roguelike hack-and-slash sort of things, that they affect the stage and the set in different ways. Like, because you've got, you know, the, I don't know, whatever, triple power something, uh, now the lights that are around the left side of the stage are red or something. Or like it changes, yeah. it just changes. There's, there's some, some sort of, uh, visual effect for every artifact that you can pick up that kind of gives you the, the sense that, uh, what, what I would you've love. Got it. Is if when you picked up something like you pick up an, an orb and obviously the light goes off on the orb and you sort of drop it behind you, someone dressed in black sort of quickly comes out, picks it up and yes. takes off the stage. Absolutely. Like, All those sorts of things. Just, uh, even just the idea. It's just stage hands. I love yeah. the idea of, you know. It's it's a big performance, and everything that's going on here is is part of the performance. Well, I'll just I'll just even say, as you defeat monsters, they're like on the ground, and you can see them breathing. Yeah, like as they lie there <laughs> dead, and then when the level's over, they kind of like get up and quickly run off stage. <laughs> the lights dim down, but you can still see the silhouettes of people standing up and just running off. And- yeah, that's it. The lights dim down. You've got a spotlight on you standing on the treadmill with the backdrop changing behind you of your, it's sort of your travel scene. But yes, you see all the people just slightly out of the light, like get up and walk off. Oh, I love that. That's such a fun, like okay. aesthetic. So we go through the first, the first few like that. And I think when you get to like the, the third town or something like that, there's like a set piece that's going to happen. And it's, like the first big boss battle that you yep. come up against, and it's something that breaks through the was, breaks through yeah. the stage and Break, like. Well, well, I was going to say maybe like tears through the backdrop or something. Yeah. Well, it, I think if you have a number of different type of boss types, they right. can enter in any way. Like, so are um, they then not actually part of the performance? They they're not part of the performance. This is where things actually kind of stuck and real, stuck and real, and it's like. These are just the set pieces that you know that there's going to be a, a monster attack that sort of happens sometime around this time. Oh, like, well, then I like the idea that the more, like, the longer it takes you to def- to defeat them, the more damage they do to your set and stuff, and you have to like pay to get it repaired. Like, it sets you back a bit if you don't if you don't do, a, you know, a, yeah. a good enough. If you job. don't do the quick kill, yeah. <laughs> um, but what I like about that is it then adds. You know, some real tension that there is, there are going to be times when, you know, something goes wrong in the, in the stage, like in the staging of this thing. Like if, if your main character dies from a stage accident or something yeah. like that, because I think there could be just some random things of, oh, that light is, you know, starting to get weird and then it, you know, sort of falls down and you can maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, if you if you like, don't if do it the gets damaged and all that sort of stuff, like maybe like, you just have a, you know, because I think part of oh, and I don't know if you bring in things that let, let me not get ahead of myself. Part of the economy of it all is obviously people come to your show and pay you money to watch yeah. this. 
So I, what I was going to say is I don't know then if you have aspects of performance will mean that you'll get more money or get more renown or something because you put on a particular good performance. Like if you're doing moves with more flair or like mixing up your combat or- I think if you did what I quite often do whenever I'm playing like one of those games, which is the same move over Over and over and over, then you're going to- The people are going to be like, yeah, this this was just- 90 minutes of <laughs> the same thing over and over. like sword in the exact same way. <laughs> yeah. Whereas if if you did actually play with the with the amazing combo system that we've that we've actually got. Of course that, we do. Yeah, because we don't have to do it. Like yeah. this is No, we can just say we have an amazing combo system, definitely. This is make believe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're never gonna make this. Oh, did we did we give the secret out too early? The secret to this whole show is that we do not make the games. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, sometimes we try, but we never. <laughs> we never make We don't have the art <laughs> chops for this one. Definitely not. Yeah, definitely not. Even though it's so cool to have. Um, and I'm definitely seeing the the way the light hits off the backdrop and all this sort of stuff. You know, there's some oh, yeah. shininess to it. There's. Oh, um, I want it to. I want it to. Absolutely just look shabby and, like, the backdrop has tears that have been taped up. Yeah. Even more so when the monster breaks through it. And, oh, well, like- I love I love the idea of, like, you have, you know, you have specific backdrops that come up randomly, but generally, you know, oh, the jungle backdrop is going to have these sorts of monsters come in, by which I mean performers in particular costumes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that if you randomly then, if you get the random boss fight that tears through that backdrop, you can still get that backdrop in future, but it's got like a big tear that's been taped up from that yep. point onwards, like that sort of uh, continuity of of all your stuff, because that's just fun. It's just fun to see that stuff. Yeah. Um, the third time that you go through and like, as, as you, as you, you know, going on, going on the treadmill, and the two backdrops in a row, you know, had massive tears in it because you've already already had two ma- two monsters come through. It catches and actually starts to tear away, and you got to like <laughs> you just got, you got to wait on there and and do wait like for a monolog- stage hand to come and do a monologue in there. They're like trying to take it off, and then you see this big thumbs up, and then it's like you continue. <laughs> <laughs> I do like having almost little quick time events. That are just around stage stuff, like just around the stagecraft of it all. Yeah, I was even thinking that you could you could have like um, a platform sort of sort of level where you're you're doing a platforming on on like two dimensions, but you're you're actually um, you know you sort you've, of harnessed in. You've got the harness <laughs> as you jump. Like they just they're pulling the harness up. And <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, you could have you could have almost. I like the idea of yeah, basic platforming levels where you're you're essentially running on the spot or on the treadmill maybe or something, and, and you've got stage hands coming in, moving the obstacles towards you, and you have to jump <laughs> over them or duck them or whatever. And and you swipe you're swiping your sword, but of course because the the enemies below you, you swipe and you take out their ropes, and they're just down on the ground. Like, oh, come on, Barry, <laughs> you could take the rope. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Um, um, that's, I really like this so far. That's so cool. 
This let's is cool. So cool. Let's click again. Yeah, let's leave that on the high point of uh, of that and move on. This is the tragedy. That's the tragedy of this of this podcast. Is we'll come up with an amazing idea and then we'll just and then we'll never then talk it's about it again in the past forever and we'll never see the light of day. Like the story of the adapted wizard. Oh, who is informative and desirable. That sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm informative and desirable. Oh, no. I'm but not you're not a wizard. A wizard. Yeah. <sighs> I could be adapted to be a wizard in a fictional story. <laughs> so so this, is, this is a story about... Uh, I'm this a lovely is Trevor's lady. Inserted, Trevor's inserted <laughs> fanfic. Um, the Wizard Brady Bunch, is that what you're going for? Yeah, pretty much. No, what I th- what I think is you you said informative and desirable, and I think this Se- wizard- Sexy wizards. Oh, yes. I mean, sexy. Wizards are sexy. We, we know yeah. that. Yeah. Um, have you seen the Fantastic Beasts movie? They're, they're all sexy. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> um, they are yeah. all fantastic beasts. Yeah, yes, all of them very sexy. Have no, you seen? So, Ma- I mean, have you seen Magic Mike? They're all wizards, hence magic, hence magic, yeah. hence magic, and they're very sexy. Yeah, very sexy wizards. Magic uh, Mike. They're inf- they're informative and desirable. <laughs> <laughs> they're, for- they're like teaching things on stage, <laughs> teaching anatomy, I guess. <laughs> and potions and and potions okay i was thinking this wizard has made a potion that went wrong kind of like all the tropes in in all okay. these things it was a love potion that actually made like them super desirable or or something like that or it turned them into a turned them into like a male model from um from magic mike because their name is mike and they are magic Right. And this is so a, it's like this one is of a, these kind of ironic uh, spells gone wrong. Yeah. So we can call the we can talk, call the whole game Magical Michael. <laughs> Magical <laughs> Michael. <laughs> yep. And he's a wizard and it's adapted from the stage show or the or the the movie Magic Mike. <laughs> Which I, haven't, I don't know the story. I don't know the story either, so we're just going to make so that up gonna, on the spot. We're just going to make it up. Um, I mean, it's magic and it's Mike and he's desirable because he's, like, sexy. Okay, so I assume he's... Then, is it about getting together topless a gang of wizard. other desirable topless <laughs> wizards? Yes. Uh, to put on a magic show, I guess. Yeah. A sexy magic show. A sexy magic. I mean, all magic is sexy. We we know that. Uh, depends on the outcome, I suppose. But I guess just the idea of magic is pretty sexy. Yeah, it is. Very sexy. Even more so when Magical Mike, um, you know, he's got, you know, pecs that are, they're so rock hard and they, they almost, you know, talk like, I don't know, the rock, or they talk, you know, like those- as he as he like flexes them, they come to life. It's like Maui and Moana. Yeah. <clears throat> um, 
Okay, now how do we how do we do this without leaning too heavily on unrealistic body standards? Do we have Dad Bod David is in there as <laughs> one of them that he finds? Is that just our like? I I think I think his best friend is Dad Bod David. Now, I I kind of like the idea that this wizard has a familiar, and that is Dad Bod David. It's just his it's familiar. Just another is dude. Just, <laughs> just another it's just dude. Another dude. It's just a regular fucking. <laughs> Dude, who doesn't have magic? He's just a dad with a dad bod. <laughs> but he and doesn't have kids. No, but they he, keep does, on calling he does. Him. He has he has kids. It's just like <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, he never kids. sees them. Uh, magical Michael is calling. Uh, go talk to your mum for a bit. <laughs> it's just really awkward every time it happens. <laughs> <laughs> he gets conjured out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> At one stage, his pants are around his ankles and he's got the paper. He's like, oh, come on. <laughs> oh, come on, Michael. Michael. Damn it. Knock first. I know I said I'd be your familiar, but, you know, you were offering good rates and I was desperate. Kind of getting okay. over it. So, what sort of gameplay do we have with Magical Michael? The Fuck if I know. Um, I guess... Is this sort of an adventure thing as you go around gathering your different wizards to put together this show? This show, yes. Like almost either maybe a bit of a point and click or... Or or it's just like, you know, one of those good old Apogee-like levels and as you go through each level... Right, you get to the end of a level and you find the next And you unlock a wizard, yeah. Or we can, or we can do a full-on like Tomb Raider style three D adventure, and you're using magic and. So I um, did. Te- so I, I don't know if I have talked about this before on this podcast. About ten, eleven years ago, I started messing around with Unreal Engine with magic. Then, no, no. <laughs> oh, it's, it feels like magic sometimes with Unreal Engine. And oh. the game I w- wanted to make was a wizard dueling game with, like, buff-ass wizards. Like, the game was just going to- They were going to have, like, their robes off so they were completely topless from the, you know, waist up. Their robes kind of hanging off around their waist. Still the huge beards. They were going to look like fucking Zeus or Thor, basically just, like, throwing spells at each other. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can bring a little bit of that in. Of, yeah, magical Michael okay, is just so blasting spells around. At at the end of each level, you have to duel the wizard, and if you Ooh. beat them in the duel, they join your your yes. uh, sexy topless wizard like crew. Yeah, greased up, greased up wizards. Uh, yeah, yeah, I like and, that. And Dad Bod David has to has to duel the greasing and. He's he, he, just, he all he wants to do is just spend time with his family he just wants and to spend time with his kids. And the only way he can make money is greasing up wizards, greasing up his bloody wizard boss and his mates. So degrading. Um, the thing is, I think what you find out in in like through the snippets of backstory between each each level is that Dad Bod David was not born; he was created from. Like, it's like a homunculus. Yeah, basically, he was created as Dad Bod David. Like he didn't have it have any time before he was in this in this form, and then like 
because Magical Michael felt so bad, he he, he magicked him made a family in like him. a backstory and a family and all this sort of stuff. But oh, that's sad. In that, we're going to find out that his whole life is a lie. Well, I think the family is is real. Like what he's made of the family afterwards, but he came from nothing. Right. Um, I moving like back to the the, the sort of Wizard levels Jules. of the wizards and stuff of the jewels. I love the idea that because this is giving me just a very kind of uh, modern day mundane sort of feel to it. I think I think Magical Michael is sort of a fairly traditional stage wizard. Okay. So he's topless, but he's got the long Merlin beard and the pointy well, hat. Well, just in his sort of career, like I think he does. Like <laughs> he's buff, but he's got he's got the long yeah the long the long beard. The long Dan beard of the Merlin. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And he, so he'll just fling it over his shoulder. But he does like shows. He puts on shows. But he's decided like the reason he's doing this is that he needs to like he needs to branch out. He needs more people. But I. I like the idea of all the other wizards that you're chasing down and trying to recruit have their own little niches. So, like, you've got one and he's just, like, essentially he's a CEO wizard. He's, like, a business guy. He's in a, like, crisp business suit. He's a businessman with a business plan. He's a businessman with a business plan and he just happens to be magical. Uh, And then you've got, like, the... Sports coach wizard, you know, he's got to, got his own look and his, you have to fight him in a stadium and make your way through all of his like recruits or whatever. Yep. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. So that when you get to the end, you've just got this like hodgepodge of <laughs> weird personalities that you somehow managed to make into a yeah, ensemble which is show. The, the crew. And then the yeah. final level is you doing like, you know, the uh, sexy choreographed magic act. Yes. Yeah, exactly. A choreographed magic act is the end result of all this. Yes, it's just a shame that it all has to be all male nudity. Like, because... Well, I am getting full Monty vibes from this, so... Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether you've heard, but Magic Mike the movie does, like, have some, like, pretty... Swinging dicks. Full... Yeah, and even <laughs> you can you can see some worse stuff than that. <laughs> well, worse is very subjective, Troy. Like we're talking what? about the wonder of the human body here. Yes, <laughs> but you yes. mean anuses? Is that yes. where we're going? There, there is an anus in, in there <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> Just keep an eye out. Spot the anus. <laughs> That's a mini game in our game. And I only know that because of um, Hollywood Babylon. That I um, only know that Trevor only knows that because he spent a very long time on the freeze frame to make sure he saw that anus. Yeah, he paused. I oh, missed it. Go back, rewind. Pause. His tape is. You can tell where it is because it's where the tape. It's very worn. It's worn. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, I'm, I'm, Who I'm gathering. Want to see Channing Tatum's anus? No. Yeah, I don't that's... think it was Channing Tatum. Oh. I think it was. Um, Who else was even in that? Uh, I think it was Matthew McConaughey's um, anus. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> there's, the, there's the title of our episode. Matthew McConaughey's anus. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't I know how Magical much- Michael will probably be the title. I don't know how one. much of this anus talk we want to keep in. 
Uh, <laughs> I'll leave that up to you, Trevor. All right, I think <laughs> I think uh, we can move on oh, and click again. Dokey. Linguistic I Greasy Solicitor. <laughs> well, that's just one of the wizards. <laughs> <laughs> He's very greasy. Okay. He's already so, greasy. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we take greasy in the way of kind of like dodgy. Slimy. Yeah. Slimy. Yeah. Like unethical. Mm. How do you turn that into a game? Um, is this a bit of a. It's a courtroom ju- drama where you're like doing linguistic. Um, dialogue puzzles and stuff like that to to get your clients out of. Like- yeah, are you trying to find like loopholes in in? It's it's kind of like Ace Attorney, except you you're really really slimy and and you know you're getting these bad people off for for these technicalities. For technicalities, but it's all it's about teaching you logical fallacies and grammatical. <laughs> Specifics. Um, I think let's click again. Yeah. Sounds good. We didn't go deep on a game for once. No, that's fine. That's all you needed. Infect overview. Flood conjunction. Ooh. I'm wondering if this flood is containing a virus of some sort. All people, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking some sort of, um, like, zombie-ish or contagion sort of thing that somehow comes in or or is threat, like, maybe there's some sort of contagion that spreads very uh, quickly through water. Yep. So, dysentery. How can we use that? <laughs> so, dysentery plus It's plus. shitty water. <laughs> no, I think this is, it's... Maybe this is just a, like, we're creating a world where we sort of introduce this world where this particular virus has infected, like, the ocean or whatever, like, vast, you know, uh, percentages of the Earth's water supply. Uh, Ooh, I like that it's, so, it's pretty much any water that hasn't been purified, so... Yeah, so we can purify water. Like you can, people, humans have been able to make water safe to drink, but we ha- we've had to put in. But the all rain these- is fucked. Like if you if you got caught in a rainstorm, yeah, you're you're absolutely fucked because yeah, basically if it's like if it, if the humidity is more than a certain level, or if it's raining or whatever, like you can't go outside except in like in, a, in protective gear, like a gas mask, essentially. Yeah, I'm, uh, and, I'm thinking, like, you need to be in, like, full isolation suits sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. If it's actually raining, yes. But, if, like, if you can't go out on, like, your porch if it's no. raining because there's, Which there's sucks too because much moisture in the air. One you know? of my favourite things to do in summer is, if it yeah. starts to rain, is go out onto a porch and you hear the rain hitting the, um, hitting the roof, have a beer and just... Sit back and enjoy. Yeah. No, in this world, that's gone. Because you can't drink a beer through a gas mask. It's very difficult. That's so wrong. So, I'm just, I'm liking this idea. I feel like we could have some fun gameplay around water is a hazard. Mm. 
and then then there's this potential of floods. Because then floods, I mean, floods already being, you know, big floods are obviously already being a, a, a huge disaster in cases, but this just adds that extra layer on top of them. Even a minor flood I mean, just means that water's getting yeah. everywhere and everyone's in danger of, of catching this, this virus. And, and, you know, I think it's obviously very, uh, causes a lot of disease or whatever. Um, taking a word from previous uh, a previous game that you at the very start, but I'm thinking instead of um, well, let, let me just go with with the title that I'm thinking for the game, which is Damp Rising. Um, <laughs> <laughs> damn right, yep. <laughs> because it's either Damp Rising or Damn Rising. Because I like that idea yep. of you know having that that you know. Almost the gameplay sort of thing of of that dead rising sort of thing of there are infected out there and yeah well I, yeah I mean I guess that's we hadn't talked about I was sort of going back to more maybe that the virus is just a death sentence essentially but we could take it that level further where it be create it's turning people into zombie ish creatures yeah so that we've got the combat in there. Um, okay, so so where is this taking place? I'm kind of in my mind. I'm sort of seeing like an isolated farm somewhere that they've got a dam on the property, right? And they need to use obviously water needs to still irrigate the crops and all that sort of stuff. That might be where you start. I was I was picturing this almost as a bit of a an RPG ish. Uh, I don't think you've played Weird West yet, huh? That just came no. out. That sort of vibe, or a bit of a like. No, I've still Baldur's, been playing. Baldur's I've still Gate. been playing Elden Ring. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like a a Baldur's Gate or an ice like that sort of that like top down. Oh shit! I said Elden Ring. I actually meant Masters of Spelling Dystopia. Um, do you know, like, do you know what I mean though? Like sort of a, or even just like a Diablo-esque, like that it's the sort of three quarter view, uh, more RPG-ish than Diablo and Mm -hmm. more, more narrative where you've got these sort of really nice environments, but yeah, like it just means that wherever you go, you're watching out for water and then we can have these like dynamic water sort of gameplay stuff where, if it's rained, like you don't know if you go back to a place that it hasn't flooded and now you can't get to as many places, that sort of thing, you know? Oh, you know <laughs> I you know what I just thought that it does for kids? Like you can't jump in puddles. As a kid no. I used to love jumping in puddles. You can't do <laughs> in fact, that. We can have, in fact we can have a, a like <laughs> a uh, a cutscene. Very emotional cutscene. Oh my god. Of people waiting at a bus stop, and a car comes by and just just covers oh them well, in water. I was thinking of like, oh my god, the that kid just- sees a puddle, eyes light up, runs towards it. The parent, no. the parent is like, no. <laughs> the kid just wants to jump in the puddle, <laughs> yeah. And then someone like snatches them out of the air before they 
but they fall into the puddle themselves and their yeah, legs sacrifice just themselves. grows a new mouth and starts like that's what this virus does is actually just like turns flesh into mouths that's the whole thing it yeah there's just mini mouths all over the place yeah mini mouths yeah if you've got got like trypophobia or whatever it is then you're fucked yeah lots of Your leg just turns into mouth and starts eating itself or trying to eat any other and one of them says, nearby. What you doing? <laughs> just like gives you a grin. It's the hey. only one. It's, it's, they've hey. all got teeth. Hungry. 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 Only the bigger ones. Only the bigger mouths have tongues. So those ones will tend to talk back to you. <laughs> <laughs> Three to one click. <laughs> Fucking love it. Favorite rag. Reassuring debug. Ooh, interesting. So, favorite rag made me think of like maybe a mechanic or something like someone who would carry a rag mm-hmm. around. I do also like the idea of the debug is sort of that that mechanic of someone breaking the game mechanics. Oh, okay. So I do like the idea that they're, they're a mechanic who happen to be able to see into the fact that they're in a game. Right. Break the fourth wall a bit. Break the fourth wall a bit. And then they're like, oh, shit, I seem to have broken your fourth wall. Let me fix that for you because they're a mechanic. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're a mechanic mechanic. What if we turn this into um, an adventure? <laughs> yes, I did hear you. I just ignored you. <laughs> um, what if we turn this into a into a two D point and click? Okay, but our mechanic can, for some reason, he's been able to work out that he is in a, is in um, in an adventure game. Yeah, so you can see can actually. Can can see the cursor and can actually, like, look behind the scenes at you know thing things, um, like this this key that I've got over here. You know, it doesn't have one of the properties turned on, so he he can sort of change like the inventory right. slightly, and it, it turns it into a into a different sort of adventure game that. How Much, the story how you want to play it, it up is just like, oh, they know they're in a game and so they can kind of comment on some of the puzzles or like break out of certain tropes. Or yeah. if you want to go that bit more like actual debugging, like where you're looking at it, sort of almost looking at a code. Well, it could, it could just be that, oh, the... I, I literally can't move anywhere. I think I think the object code in this room is is kind of a bit weird. And then you see that there's no walkable area, so he, right you can sort of help set the walkable area in this and like set a hotspot on these these certain things. <laughs> yeah. and just you know unlock a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff. But then, um, because if I remember uh, playing the um, there is no game, yeah, and they had that amazing adventure game section in it in which you were playing an adventure game, but you couldn't actually 
interact as per an adventure game. You had to use all the behind the scenes stuff to. Yeah, and you were looking, looking through different for like from behind and from the front and stuff and seeing things yep. move. Yeah, you know, like all the mechanisms and stuff. What I loved is in that, especially in that game, and this is going into a quick review of that. Uh, you could actually turn the TV around. You you saw the scenery from behind, and it was like yes. all these gears and pulleys that actually had you know, things move into the scene and all this sort of stuff. That was really well done. Uh, to actually put that into maybe this guy knows that he's in a game yeah. can see some of the stuff behind but is also trying to just get through this so that they can um, – because they need to reassure their their love or something like that. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah, we'll come up with something. <laughs> No, I, I think that's fun. Um, the other idea I had for uh, for potentially these words, mm-hmm. go for it. Because I thought because I thought of a mechanic like someone who's dealing with grease and that sort of thing, and you had debug. I was like, what if this is someone? What if these are like puzzles where you're debugging? a machine, like a mechanical machine. Mm-hmm. Like perhaps you're l- walking around inside this like huge clockwork sort of thing and it's figuring out like f- like puzzles almost of, oh, and we're missing a gear here or whatever, or like, you know, this is turning too fast so we need to, you know, downshift the gears or whatever to... The tooth on this one is broken, and that's why it it, get, it works for a while, and then it gets to this point, and just it'll get stuck again. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's literally debugging these these mechanic mechanical uh, creations, and uh, you know, but using similar similar sort of ways that you might debug software, where it's just like okay, you can run it as many times as you want, but you have to find the right spot where it's actually kind of failing. Uh, but figuring out from a mechanical standpoint, then what is actually going to fix it? Now I'm sort of thinking if this was like a a 3D The Incredible Ooh, yeah. Machine. Yeah. You could go certainly in depth with it in 3D. Yeah. And, you know, having those those mechanics of The Incredible Machine of you're trying to get get to somewhere, but it always starts off that... It's got some of the stuff there, but you need to debug what's wrong and and sort of replace the thing and get it get this Rube Goldberg machine working. Sort of. Yeah, I think maybe not quite as silly a way as the Incredible Machine. Yeah, because um, that did have some pretty. It just crazy. had like, oh, you could put like the little kid who, when he gets hit, like does goes into their house or something. What wasn't it? Like, wasn't there some weird? Anyway, I. I- I much preferred the one where you had like the, you know, the baseball that, you know, landed on a button and that, that brought down the cheese and the mouse could then start running on the wheel and. Yeah. Yeah. So start I think moving some shit. I, I like this as, as more of a, you could definitely have a lot of different mechanical things and you could do it in 3D where it's like, yeah, it kicks off a ball that goes down a ramp that hits something that swings a pendulum that, you know, pulls down a weight or whatever. Um, but I also do like kind of the idea of that you're a character in this world. Mm-hmm. And then it's almost these like huge, because I just sort of had an idea of the scale of it, like of being inside one of these machines. 
like maybe they're even like huge mechanical robots or something and you're the mechanic for them. Um, and so, at, you know, when you fix it, you get that nice view of them just like, you know, it zooms out and you see how all these mechanics were fitting together to actually like make this thing move or something. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Okay, three, two, one, random clicking sounds. Click. Stressed <laughs> cat. Fairy clip. Oh, hmm. Cat and a fairy. It's kind well, of a fun. I little... saw fairy and clip, and I'm thinking clip of ammo. Fairy, first person shooter. <laughs> Wait, you, the fairy is the ammo. It's like a clip of fairies. No, I was thinking fairy with a machine gun. But <laughs> oh, the fairy itself. Okay, I kind of like the idea of the fairies being the bullets. <laughs> You just pick up a clear or just in there like, no, 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 don't fire it. And just shove them into the garden. <laughs> Fully automatic fairy. Fully like fairy shooter. A fairy with machine gun is kind of fun. Um, is the stressed cat then like the villain of the piece? Oh, of course very stressed out because of like fairies have have broken into the into the house and you know uh, um because i think what's happened <laughs> is the, the place the the stressed cat didn't realize that uh you know what what they went out into the into the garden and found was actually the fairy queen right and so so the cat now- has caught what it thought was like a dragonfly that it was hunting in the backyard. Yeah. Brings it inside for the owner, drops it on the, you know, front porch, and it's the fairy queen. Yeah. And now the fairies are coming to get their revenge. Yeah. So I think back. one of the things that the fairy queen does is it, um, the fairy queen has magic that can protect, you know, the whole garden from like, like dimensional trolls or something like that. <laughs> Sure, because I'm thinking, but I'm the thinking natural enemy of the fairies. Exactly, everyone knows about dimension. The tradition, it's traditional. There's it's traditional. stories and um, tales. Because then, fables. then you can literally have the the fairies facing off against the dimensional trolls, and they've got like bullets that can send them back to that other dimension. Just right when they get sent back, so they you, get sent back dead. Are you playing the cat or are you playing a fairy? Fairy, because I kind of like the idea of playing the cat <laughs> and that. It's all it's this big misunderstanding that you and the fairy queen are getting along, but the fairies are coming because they think you've killed the queen. But then at the same time, they're fighting off these dimensional trolls who are attacking because the fairy queen's power has been disabled. Yeah, and of course we all we all know that um, the fairies' magic comes from their uh, mystical M eighty bazooka. Yeah, the the <laughs> artifact from the fairy gods. Yes. That was yes. sent down from fairy land? I don't know. Uh, I don't remember my fairy history. Bible. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of I kind of like you know, I, I kind of like that you're this cat running around um maybe with the fairy queen on your back potentially giving you certain powers at times like letting you leap large bounds or 
or whatever, uh, and that you're having to fight off fairies and dimensional trolls alike just to get the fairy queen back to you know her her throne where she can re-enable the protective mm-hmm. powers. Okay, uh, I like this idea quite a bit. There has to be a level in which the owner notices the way the cat's been sort of like. Behaving. Maybe maybe losing losing a bit of fur on the side or something like that, where she yeah. keeps on getting attacked by dimensional trolls and all this sort of stuff. Uh, so they organised to get a cone on on the cat for this <laughs> like this whole level that because you just got the cone because you're I, scooping I like that up a, fairies and like flicking your head back and throwing them into the air. Because <laughs> um, because I, I think that could actually happen right when the fairies have sort of they realise, hang on. You got nothing to do with this whole thing. Yes, you. you yes, you accidentally um, took the fairy queen, but right. They 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 realize that you're now helping the queen. Yeah. get back. So so now you're you're using the cone because you've just had that put on. It's sort of like scooping him up onto your back so that you can you're going around basically as a it's like um, a fucking an armored um, armored fairy carrier AFC um. yeah <laughs> well yeah I'm kind of picturing you're almost playing both the cat and the fairy queen working together where yeah banjo kazooie style yeah sort of yeah the cat is almost a mount but then you can like swipe and, and attack and the fairy queen can can fire with her, you know, machine gun and then occasionally if she does find her, like, summon her magical bazooka, you know, that's almost a power-up or something. Yeah. Um, and then it is just, like, running through these different areas of the house. There's just battles going on around you and, you know, and then you have these, like, set pieces or whatever where you're getting attacked by one faction or the other. Yeah. I also do love, though, that, yeah, you, you bring in the owner... The owner can't see the fairies or the dimensional trolls. They just no. see the cat going wild. They think the cat just has the zoobies that is running around the house. Yeah. Um, and they're just like, oh, fucking cat. <laughs> like, like I, I think there's this- The breaking um, things, knocking things off shelves. I, th- I think one of, one of the things is um, at one stage, the cat is just doing laps of like the house. Yeah. And it's one of those on the rails sort of shooter things where yep. you as the you as the fairies on the back of the cat are like taking out as many like of the little Trolls sections whatever, as you can. Yeah, yep. um, it's in it's sort of in slow motion, so it's like bang, 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 just going through. But then you see it from the humans' point of view, and they just see the cat. They just see the cat running around. Yeah, exactly, bouncing off walls and yeah, totally. I love that. That is so um, cool. Yeah, and then you get, like, a level that takes you up across all the shelves and over the top of the fridge, and you're, like, knocking things off. And then again, in the end, you just see, the from the owner's perspective, the cat just jumping up onto shelves and knocking shit down. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> that's really fun. I think that's about all we need to do on that one. I'm going to say something now, Ben, and Ooh, we're okay. going to go three to one movie. I knew you were going to do that. So, brief explanation. We've each got a random movie that's come up. We're just going to take probably just the title, maybe the plot, uh, and turn it into a video game as well. So, I have a 1988 movie starring Dolph Lundgren. It is Red Scorpion. Okay. I have a movie from 2013 called The Colony. 
Ooh. Okay. So I don't, unless yours is interesting enough, I don't think we take the plots. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the synopsis. Tell, so you tell can... me the synopsis. Forced underground by the next ice age, a struggling outpost of survivors must fight to preserve humanity against a threat even more savage than nature. Oh, okay. That's kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's just about like a KGB agent. Blah, blah, blah. But I like the idea just of a red scorpion, like the actual creature, being important in some way to this colony. Like, it's either something they're scared of or something they're seeking. So, this, uh, so that we don't go into, like, Metro-style things with, you know, the underground colony, you know, they're, they're, they're actually, you know, facing off against... Mutants slash aliens, whatever the fuck no, is in no. Metro. Um, I like the idea that, you know, this, this underground small colony, you know, it's just in, maybe in the basement of, of like a larger building. Oh, okay. Uh, so in the middle of the city sort of thing. Right. Um, they can't go outside because it's kind of, it's all way too cold and, and stuff. Right. So it's been some sort of like climate disaster yes. or like, or a sudden, yeah, something relatively sudden. Yeah. Uh, so they can't go outside anymore. They're essentially stuck underground. But, yes, it's in a city and it's in the basement of, like, a school or something or, like, a um a Something like that or, or, it's, or, or it's, like, an how much office space building. Do they have? But, um, they've got quite a bit of space, but I think what they find at one stage is... That there's actually like a secret door down there that they didn't notice before. It's got that, a red scorpion on it. Yeah, that's what I was sort of thinking. That it's got sort of like a red scorpion, and it leads to these tunnels underground that sort of match up between a few of the a few of the buildings, and they're kind of you start to like make contact with other survivors or something, maybe like into the broader. Yeah, and know, I think this community. is th- these these are sort of prohibition era um like tunnels in which they use to get alcohol yeah in, into like um the speakeasies and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I kinda like that idea that it's you're dealing with that, but the um they can sort of go outside every now and again, but it's like they need certain protective gear to get out there because yeah. you know, it's not nuclear winter, but it's it's um extremely below freezing conditions so that they need to rug up so much that yeah yeah for sure because obviously they need to be able to go out there and get food and that sort so of stuff are you and- picturing this as first person then just because um, you mentioned metro like is that the sort of vibe i think more third third person third person um and then is it almost a bit of is it a bit of an rpg-ish kind of thing where you've got like your home maybe you've got your home base and people who are staying there, who are mm-hmm. in your sort of original community, and now you've found this door and you start sort of exploring you know, a little exploring bit Exploring and finding and- other communities and finding, but also running into, like, the darker side, like bandits and, you know, people who are who are doing shitty things down there. Uh, as as people are want to do. I think the... The threat even more savage than nature is the 
evil that human yeah, yeah. That humans are capable of. Yeah, yeah. I think we can just take that as, you know, you've, you've almost lived, even though it's been harsh conditions and difficult to survive, you've lived a somewhat idyllic life for maybe decades at this point. Cause I feel like it's got to have been at least a couple decades since this has happened and everyone was pushed underground. Cause we want there to be some established stuff. Yeah. Uh, but you've been isolated, like you and, I don't know, 20 people or something, maybe even less, have been just in this rel- in this isolated area of the basement yeah. of this office building. And so you've managed to, like, grow food and, you know, you, ha- you managed to scrounge enough supplies. Maybe you've actually been able to – maybe you've been lucky because – the office building was protected enough that you could go up onto the first couple of floors or something um, without needing full-on protective gear or something and, like and that. And there happened to be enough stuff to build a hydroponics lab sort of thing, you know, because... Yeah, maybe it was like a university or something. So they had, yeah. you know, they had all this science gear, they had all this stuff, and you managed to bring it all down and, and, and build it. You survived all this time, and then, yeah, you, you come across this door and realise it's... It leads to essentially the the wider world. Yeah, and the wider world being a network of tunnels throughout the city. Yeah, and I think, too, all these other little communities and and places that people have been living for these decades and building up factions and, you know, criminal networks and (laughs) whatever else. Yeah, and I, I can imagine, you know, the closest... The closest place nearby is sort of like almost your Alpha Centauri sort of thing of, you know, they're just a, um, just the, the neighbor, neighbor pretty close to you, but you, you it takes a while to get there. And yeah, I don't when- know if we do some gameplay as you go through the tunnels, like is, if there's combat and stuff or, um, or if we play it, like you could almost do like a party based RPG or like, I don't know, you've got a few different options there for how that actual gameplay would play out. I kind of like that when you go into the tunnels, you actually, you're all almost in this blocked off area and you have to actually open it up. And when you open that up, you, you've now opened up your, your like base to all these other people who didn't know that you, you actually exist. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yes. I think by you going through this tunnel, yeah, that perhaps there's like a, a one way trip where you, break through an area that was otherwise concealed and, and, and closed up that now you're you've irreversibly opened yourself up to the this wider community and your yep. idyllic community or idyllic and, and it's, um, it's almost an, no longer it's almost an allegory for space travel and the fact that we don't know what's out there and we yeah, could be opening ourselves up for attack yeah yeah but yeah, you can see it that way for sure um Especially because I, I love this this university who's, that's sort of out in the middle of nowhere, and you know, but by going through these tunnels and that sort of stuff, you sort of work your way down into the city, and then you know, yeah, I think they're maybe into- on the outskirts of the city or something like, or, or it's just even that they've got a big campus, and so they're surrounded by a lot of uh, open open space, and so it was there was only this one tunnel. That came through and it was blocked up, you know, 60 years ago. 
uh, for safety reasons because students kept going down there to fucking smoke and <laughs> <laughs> and then this whole thing happened and yeah, no one really, but then as you just, as you're exploring, you open it back up and yeah, now you, now you're exposed. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I I really love this. And the Red Scorpion, I think they they maybe that's just their their um you know banner for for their outpost that Well, either that or I was thinking that the Red Scorpion was maybe like one of the old uh alcohol smuggling uh or was a moonshine brand or something like, like that. Or a moonshine, yeah. yeah, like, or is, it was some sort of branding thing for people who were smuggling alcohol at the time. So that's why it was on the door. But then you go out and you do find that actually, like, the Red Scorpion is still around as a, as a criminal organization, essentially. They're also, mm. like, one of the yeah. main kind of enemy organizations that you end up fighting against. Yeah, that's actually a bit of fun, cool. like, iconography. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Awesome. Uh, was that it? Let's do one more quick one. Let's one more quick one. All right, I think we've got time for one more. Should we do another movie? Yeah. All right, one more movie. What do we got? Hereafter from 2010. Enemy from 2013. That's just called Enemy. That's called Enemy. Um,. So I'll give this synopsis of mine just in case it kicks anything off. Mm-hmm. Looks like it stars Matt Damon. Don't know who else. Three people, a blue collar American, a French journalist, and a London schoolboy are touched by death in different ways. I don't know. It seems like maybe it's ghostly sort of mm. stuff. A mild mannered college professor discovers a lookalike actor and delves into the other man's private affairs. Oh, interesting. So I well, know maybe that's, we can that's come- kind of like a. Um, you know, Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court or whatever. Maybe you, you you could take that sort of you've you've seen that. I know that I know the the story sort of, but I don't particularly recall. Or, or even Prince and the Pauper is probably probably closer. Right. Okay. Like a fish out of water, switching places kind of thing. Yeah. Well, where I was thinking, in a way, to combine the two, perhaps was that that someone sees the the obituary of something of someone who looks just like them, like to a T or something like that. And then they go out searching for this, like to find out more about this person. Yeah. Um, Um, I'm thinking older, an older person. Right. The person who you play. Yeah, and then and maybe you, they uh, see someone who looked exactly like they did when they were like thirty or something. Yeah, and so so they're wondering: is this a is this you know their long lost daughter that they you know gave up for adoptions kid mm. or something like that? Like they've they're a spitting image, but then it's like something even weirder, like they're a clone. Oh, I do like a I do like a good clone story. I do like a good clone. You you do some like this this is one of those things where there's there's an iPhone app for everything and you can just do genetic testing directly on the iPhone. <laughs> right. So the whole game is about like stealing people's DNA to Well, and then then you know, um 
<laughs> it comes up there. It's like got these lines across it that says clone, 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 clone. <laughs> <laughs> right, because is that because you're matching it against your own DNA? Do you test it on twins? Well, obviously, in this world, um, any time that, you know, designer DNA has been made, you know, it's got, it's got a genetic, watermark. It's, it's got a watermark that says um, it can tell you exactly who ma- who made it, when they made it. And, um, oh, but when you check this one out, it the watermark is, is literally missing. It's got, you know, fake metadata in there. Okay, so is this more wiped. so for this te- for this technology to be around? This almost needs to be a world where there are clones as a relatively yes. common thing. But perhaps this person never signed. She's like she never signed anything. She never gave her DNA. But then she's seen this person who has died, seen their obituary, uh, and and has to go find out. Uh, well, like did somehow someone somehow make a clone of me? That's interesting. And then, because then we can, then for one, it makes sense for, obviously, like I said, there's technology to be in there, but part of the, like, puzzles or part of the gameplay that you have to go through is, like, maybe helping other people determine, like, is someone a clone or um, that you get kind of wrapped up in the politics and the corporatization and the, you know, the stories of, all these other situations to do with cloning, and it's it's also, um, I know it's it's a chance for her to look back on her life and and sort of maybe reflect on, you know, the different moments from from her past and that sort of stuff. Like, yeah, well, I think maybe you, you maybe she's made a list of like here are all the places or here are all the times that someone could have got access, like could have taken my DNA against my will. <laughs> You know what sort of I, I'm I'm feeling that we could play around with this is and tell me whether whether I'm on the wrong track or, or something like that, yeah. but um having vignettes on like the stages of grief. Okay. And and sort of you know, maybe the grief is, is the point that you know, she's lived such a such a existence you know trying to stay stay off the grid as much as possible but she hasn't really lived because of all these fears that she had and the the different stages of grief that she sort of goes through mm. as well, she's sort could, of reaching the end there could be an interesting nearing thing there as well that like yeah as part of that she's yeah she's lived a sort of very paranoid life not for no reason like i think there's a lot of horrible shit going on with clones in this world that yeah, we're yeah. building up but it's meant that, like, she's never had a relationship. She never felt like she could have kids and bring them into this world, even though maybe she... It's not that she didn't necessarily want them. It was, like, mm. a decision that was made. And so having this clone and then finding it out about how she lived and then that she died young does trigger a lot of this grief. But then it's not just grief for this person. She didn't know it kind of, like, it... it it it's triggers a grief and, for, for this a, life that she kind of wasted or... Yeah. yeah, yeah. Didn't waste as such. Like, she still lived, but it was, like, a lonely life. And yeah, and this, just maybe this clone a, sort of a, lived, lived to the extreme almost. Mm, of, yeah, that's it. That you find out that at the age of 30, like, she'd already done all these different things. 
um, you know, more than you've done in your 80 years of life or something or whatever. Um, yeah, that's kind of cool. But I kind of also like that you could get to the end and she realizes that this is just one of those weird coincidences that this, yes, this is a clone, but this isn't a clone of her. It's a, it's a clone of like a, a, a relative, you know, where. Right. I guess it would depend on if that invalidated. I guess not. I guess it could be a situation of like she finds out because yeah, like it could all culminate in you essentially like managing to find some DNA from this clone and actually, you know, putting it in the machine. Um, what it really was, was she never looked into her own DNA and saw that that, that was also missing a watermark. Or that she herself is a clone, is that what you're yeah. saying? <laughs> so, it's it's one of the... Because I, I go with what, what I had with the original, that, you know, this is an, an illegal clone, but so is she. Right. But, I don't know. Yeah, you can- potentially. I mean, I, I like the idea of maybe finding out she's a clone. And that she just never, because she wasn't told that. Like, because maybe she always- there are laws in place that, like, you have to tell clones that they're clones. Like, you have to, yeah, you have to. But, raise it's, them but in it's that one way, of these but- things that she she always wanted to stay off the grid, so she never, yeah, she never checked her own DNA. No, exactly. She just made these, and that makes sense as to why she didn't. Like, she didn't want anyone to know about her DNA because she hated the idea of clones when she she herself is in fact a clone. That that's kind of poignant that you know she's wasted all this time you know not wanting to yeah I think it's poignant I think it's also just kind of shitty for her but that's all fine <laughs> that's all right we can tell those stories yeah <laughs> that can still be enjoyable to you know to experience and I think you know there's an aspect of she's just spent all this time going back through her life reconnecting with people who she's pushed away because she was worried about having to participate in this horrible part of society um, and realize that, oh, actually there were, there are a bunch of people in her life and she's done a bunch of things and she's had this whole history. And so she shouldn't feel sad about yeah. the fact that this other person has done all these things at such a young age or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of cool. Three, two, one, finish. <laughs> Three, two, one, we're done. Um, that's right. Get Take her done. <laughs> that, that, that is all we have time for this week. So, uh, if you want to find us online, on the lines, uh, we are at podchaser.com slash bitstorm. You can go there and listen to all of our previous episodes and uh, leave a review if you feel like it. Yes, please do. Uh, if you like the song that we play at the start and end of each episode, that is the song Mount Defines of the album Containment Failure by the band Kura Dust. Yeah. Check, it out. Check them out. Uh, next week, if everything goes well, we'll be having a very special guest on. That's right. That's so, all we can really say at this stage because we don't know if, if everything's going to happen. But, but we're hoping. We're looking forward to it if it does. That's right. So thank you again for joining us this week on Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. And oh, magic, magical Michael, what would you like me to do? Mm. Pantus disappear us. Oh.
<laughs> Dad Bod Dave doesn't like this. <laughs> Is that an anus? <laughs> Did I just see an anus? 